Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on May the 23rd, 2023. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, uh, demoing cheap products online. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, discuss some games we have been playing. Hawken Reborn is having a rough time on Steam. War Thunder reverses economy changes after Steam review bombing. Nintendo receives lawsuit over Mario Kart Tour microtransactions. And in our community corner, Blizzard scraps most PvE plans for Overwatch 2. The fans are pissed. And a report, Sony fails to appeal Austrian loot, er, Australian loot box verdict. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. Uh, What's okay, uh, Alright, uh, random thought. I think Austria and Australia should just figure out who gets the name. You know? Yeah. Is it Austrian? Oh, it is Austrian. I, like, in my brain was like, no, that's not right, it's Australian. But it is Austrian, so that's on me. But also, you're right. Uh, because I-, I was pretty sure I had that right whenever I told it to you earlier. It's like, wait, uh, did I have that wrong? Did but you say yeah. Austrian, or did you yeah, say I said Australian? Al- I-, I said Austrian. Oh. My, my brain, sure. I don't know. I I thought you said Australian. That's why I corrected to Australian. But also, like, I could have fucked it up. Like, who cares? We got there in the end. We did it, guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh. One one place uh, has the Terminator. The other one just wants to kill you outright. <laughs> Everything there just wants to kill you outright. The flora, the fauna, the people, politics. Indeed. Well, I could think they, uh, yo, uh, you could just escape uh, to Hobbiton because they never put that on the map anyway. So you'd be safe there. Just hiding in a hole underground. Sounds lovely. So, uh... Well, you know what? You know, what is it lovely? What? The game I played. Oh, yeah. we're diving right in. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, so... This is a game... I, I, I Going into the, this recording, I had completely forgotten I had played this. And that's not a good sign, <laughs> right? No, nope. so, because it just came. I played Homestead Arcania. The, this is uh, the Game Pass version, but it's also on Steam. And oh, you ever play one of those games that feels like okay? There's some interesting ideas here, but the developers just have no idea why people play this genre. Uh... That's Homestead Arcadia. it's a farming sim that mocks farming sims and has no systems that uh, most farming sims uh, rely on it's an adventure game that is tedious and bare bones and as a life sim slash farming game there's nothing to do honestly I think the mixed reviews on steam is being conned very very conned it is just very bland. And I did look at a couple of reviews to see if it gets better later on, and no, 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 no. So the crux of the story is you're a young witch who was sent off to the frontier to grow food, question mark, for her town. 
it's it it doesn't really go into why you're there outside of the rite of passage to become a witch, and then it just you know kind of peters off. And in this world, miasma, this like purple poisonous uh, gas, uh, has enveloped the uh, uh, portions of the land, and uh, you essentially take it upon yourself to try to rid the area of miasma. And you do that by donning a uh, a play doctor's mask and venturing into the miasma to grow trees that will uh, cleanse the area. It doesn't actually break down the miasma completely, but it basically tears down a wall in the game to allow you to progress further into it. But the problem is that Every time you do this, you have to go through the previous areas, and the bird mask is on the timer, so you're always rushing. So that's like strike one for you know exploration games, right? Yeah, and it's because they're so focused on like the spectacle of you know this poisonous atmosphere. It is very easy to get turned around. And while there are magical spells or well, potions, uh, it, the, the magic system in this game is weird. So uh, you have a, a regenerating mana system, as you do, plus a hunger uh, meter that you have to keep up, otherwise you don't regenerate health and you start slowly yeah, starving to death. As you do, right? Right. But spells are tied to potions, and you get a grand total of one potion slot. So you're either going constantly in your inventory and juggling them around, or you're just going to find the most useful one and constantly rely on that. <laughs> and to be able to craft the potions, oh, and also the po- potions are a consumable item, so you have to constantly craft them. And the crafting has a real-world timer on it, because, right? Most of them are fairly short, but there are some timers that you know, kind of build up, especially if you start making, like, a lot of food to be able to either sell to the one uh, or one of the two NPCs of the game. And no, that's not hyperbole. There are a grand total of two NPCs that you interact with. Two. Right? Okay. Uh, So you either build, uh, yeah, uh, try to uh, get a fair number of potions to be able to uh, juggle back and forth, or, you know, just, like I said, re- uh, rely on just one spell the entire game, and that doesn't make the game feel very magical now, does it? I would assume not. So, oh, in uh, combat, uh, pretty much uh, you have no way to defend yourself whatsoever. So if you aggro an enemy, you're pretty much just, unless you run away fast enough, uh, you are uh, getting a very quick trip back to uh, your camp. So, yeah, fun, huh? This is so interesting because you're you're listing off stuff that I'm like, okay, you know, these types of games like this type of game does that like um, part of progression of these sort of city building community games involve lots of times building up to go to an area where you can't. But there's no no community to build. Yeah. All your all your interactions are through letters. Well, that's what that's what I was saying. I was like, it's got stuff like that, but then it like doesn't follow through with the rest of it. And it's got, like, okay, some some kind of combat. Fine. Quite a few of these games do that. But it doesn't commit to it? 
And then it's supposed to be magical, but there's no magic. Uh, well, no, there not is, much magic. Okay, there is. Okay, so the other side of this, let's go. Let's talk about the farming system uh, a little bit. So one, they kind of go out of their way to insult people that enjoy farming games because they talk about how boring it would be to if you have to sit around and wait for your plants to grow naturally. Fuck you. Besides that. There are no systems in place to help you outside of doing everything yourself. So you're constantly having to cast your... Uh, here's where it's weird, is that the farming side has more magic in it than the combat side, or the adventure side, right? So you, okay. have, you have a spell to water, because a watering can is just too mundane, I guess. And you have a spell that will speed up the growth of plants. But if you speed up the growth too much, you basically what they call, I believe it's blighted. Which makes it so they, they no longer produce their uh, product. And everything in the game is either picked up off the ground or harvested from plants. There's no mining. There's no harvesting of trees. Even ore is off a plant. Right? Interesting. Which, I mean, I can get behind that. Magic plants, they grow ore, so you don't have to mine. Yeah, yeah, Fair but enough. The har- but the harvesting is... It's going to get tiresome, because... Okay, whenever you go to harvest something, nine times out of ten, nine games out of ten, you harvest something from a plant, you walk up to it, hit, you know, whatever a button to harvest, and you're done, right? Yeah. This one, you go into, like, a little mini-game where it zooms in on the plant, and you, like, walk around it, and you uh, yank the stuff off of it. Which, like I said, it's fun and interesting at first, but it's going to get tiresome. <laughs> it's like the one thing that they do for the farming, and they make it tedious. Maybe that's the point they're trying to make. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it. Like, I'm not saying it's good, mm-hmm. but like, maybe that's the point. You're saying that it seems like they're pretty directly, derib- deliberately, continuously insulting players who like farming games. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Uh, there's a little bit of, uh, like, uh, tr- uh, uh, trimming of plants that you could tr- uh, try to, uh, you know, improve their yields. And that's as far as farming goes. There's no animals to deal with. There's no systems to try to help you manage all your crops. It's just, you know, you and, you know, interacting with every single plant. And, like I said... It, it, this game just it feels like they put two completely opposing ideas uh, together for this game in a way that didn't work because there are yeah. lots of games that do that yeah and, yeah this is off. not called of the lamb this yeah. is not yeah like judging crawler beats uh you know, cult simulator i mean honestly the- even stardew valley does that pretty well combining mm-hmm. two or three different game types into one successful game. True. Fucking Stardew uh, Valley is like one of the most successful of these types of games in recent yeah. recent memory. Uh, I mean, it's basically eating the lunch of Story of the Season slash uh, Harvest Moon. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see if there's anything else in my, never, in my notes to really talk about. I mean, I, I mean, like I said in my final note, it, lots of interesting bits and pieces. You know, like... Uh, Having a more direct control over your plants is interesting, but it shouldn't be for you know every single plant every single day. And because you also have a hunger meter and 
you're expected to send things back home for uh, for progression there and for questing. You know, it just gets overwhelming with the tedium of it all. And, and not that good tedium, you know? that That's kind of the other uh, side of it, is that there are, you know, games that you can get into for the grind and for, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over again. But this, it doesn't feel like it clicks, you know? Yeah. And along with, like, all the backtracking, limited shortcuts for the adventure, it, it, it's one of those that, if I had paid for this game, I would be pissed. If, yeah, pl- playing it on uh, Game Pass is, like, the best way to experience it, because there there's just so much middling about it that I just cannot recommend it even on sale. Yeah. Unless you really are hard up for a you know, a witchy game, right? Yeah. Well, I had installed this, but hadn't played it. I think I'm just going to uninstall it. <laughs> wow, that bad, huh? It doesn't sound interesting at all. So, I mean, if, there, if they had some systems in it that made farming, I don't even want to say easier, but less time consuming, you know? Well, one of the rewarding aspects of games like this is like, yes, you start doing very tedious things, but you get to grow and expand your farm as you get access to, you know, the technology or whatever for the game that, that but allows you, also you to, do to do more but for you're less. But you're also able to do things faster. Yeah. Eventually. But as far as I can tell, uh, there's nothing that ever really speeds things up. And that's kind of the cardinal sin for this type of game. Is that it's expecting you to build more and more, but there's no way to improve it. Because as you're putting out more and more plants for the myriad of researches that you have to do and uh, craftings, because every time you get to the and I'm blanking on the name of the tree that you have to grow in the miasma. You basically get a fertilizer, and you have to craft that with some other things that you either like find in the miasma or find uh, in the general area, and then take it back, right? Yeah. So you're constantly building more and more stuff that you have to manage, but you don't have the tools to manage it. I mean, hell, if they just had like a way to quickly harvest without having to go through everything and make it an optional thing to optimize that would be yo incredible make it a spell that you learn Mm -hmm. you can cast this spell and it harvests everything for you Mm -hmm. maybe it's not as precise as if you did it yourself but it saves time and then in the long run it it happens to be a lot better and faster because Mm -hmm. you're not having to do it so you can do other things I mean, uh, the trailer on the last thing on the Steam page uh, has, like, the walkthrough, and you can see uh, at, like, 40-some seconds in, uh, them planting the, their first uh, seedling and growing it. And the thing is that that one action, you do it every day to, progress, pro- to get more crops. So, right? Yeah. Well, that sucks. I was Sorry to be the to... bearer of bad news. <laughs> nah, I'd rather not waste my time. Honestly, I would just say, uh, hell, go back to uh, one of the earlier Harvest Moon games. Yeah. It's, it's deeper than this. And what's sad is that there's some interesting story 
elements here. They just are so buried under everything else. You know, having this mysterious world where, you know, you know Death Cloud has been at least for whatever reason. Right? Yeah. Or hell, just some combat. A way to protect myself so I don't have to constantly stealth past uh, random things in the miasma that I can't see because they have too much uh, particle effects. So, yeah. Uh, would not recommend, would not bang. <laughs> Zero out of ten. Would not, would not bang again. Uh, going back to Stardew Valley and uh, my uh, mechanical girl, or uh, yeah, my mechanic girlfriend. Hell yeah. I've been thinking about playing Stardew Valley again. Starting, you, just, uh, you just want to seduce me. I mean, I would even, yeah, I mean, yes, I would like to play Stardew Valley with you, but even if like we didn't play together, I've been looking at it like, you know, I could start a farm. I could <laughs> do some farming. That would be nice. It's been a while. So, speaking of things that have been a while, though, I have two games, although both of them are going to be pretty, pretty quick for me to talk about. The first, uh, Space Engineers. I've talked about Space Engineers two or three times in the history of the show. It was in early access for a long time and then does continue to have active development. It's had multiple DLC releases, um, you know, a ton of mod support, um, tons of, of updates and bug fixes and optimizations and whatnot over the years. So I was, I mean, I was sick last week. I was very sick last week. Uh, I was out of work for, uh, three and a half days. Um, and uh, we talked, you and I talked for a little while Tuesday, but between the drugs and how awful I sounded, like there was no recording coming out of me. And really, I probably should have just taken the whole week off of work, but I was like, no, I can work a little. But <laughs> that, I, just, I just wound up taking a bunch of sick time. Um, but during that time, uh, there were a few games that I was playing kind of back and forth a little bit because they're easy for me to kind of zone out on. And Space Engineers is one of those games, as as weird as that might sound. And I don't mean that as like a diss. Like, Space Engineers is one of the types of games that I play when I want to listen to podcasts. Um, it's a very get-in-the-zone, do, do your thing. Mine some stuff, build, optimize. Mine, build, optimize, on repeat. And that's kind of the core gameplay loop of Space Engineers, if you've never played. Um, you are... Well, there are a bunch of different start scenarios. In the original kind of release, and for a long time, you kind of had three options. You could start in an asteroid field, you could start crash-landed on an Earth-like planet, or you could start um, with, like, a a space station, um, like a partially built space station and some starting resources, and you just kind of had to go from there. And over time, they expanded to add... Different start types um, on moons, alien worlds. They have added um, uh, additional like pirate factions. They have added um, creatures, uh, both hostile and not hostile, on alien worlds, um, and you know more and more things, including factions. They have added quite a bit of stuff um, since the last time that I have played. And they're doing the thing, and I have no idea if they're doing this the proper way or not, but they're doing the thing where that the community, they, they look at the community and say, what are the mods that the community is using the most? Let's roll these features into the base game. Space Engineers, you really struggle getting started, if, especially on a planet, because it's very hard 
to quickly get resources on a planet that you need, at least in the old versions of the game. You know, you need stuff like iron, uh, magnesium, silicon, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, to build your various components. And in the olden days of Space Engineers, all of the dirt that you collected was basically pointless. You need a little bit so that you can uh, make gravel for sort of filling and packing material. And then there were a couple of things that used gravel in their production. But you would have, you know, as a ratio, 99% gravel to 1% other resources on, a, on an Earth-like planet. And it was a nightmare to start. And the most popular mod, one of the most popular mods, was a mod that let you refine gravel into other resources. In the crust of our Earth, like, one of the ways that they will get resources is that, you know, they just dig shit up and they smelt it, refine it, etc. Because there are, you know, minerals, things like iron, metals and minerals just in the dirt. And certain places certainly have higher concentrations. There are deposits of it, of course. But if I want, I can go out and dig up my backyard and go through the process of separating the iron out, and I could get some iron to do something with it. So there was a mod that did that. And they rolled that in the base functionality of the game. You can now just do that. Refine dirt into a little bit of some of the most basic building components, which allows you to get iron you need to um, for those early game bases and basic vehicles and stuff, making the planet start a lot faster. Um, playing in single player, another popular mod that people were using for a long time was one that added some NPC factions to the game that were friendly so that you could do, so that you could trade with them. You could have little bases you could stop at, um, for example, in between different moons or planets and a solar system, or as a way to get some of those very rare resources that you might need just every once in a while and you didn't want to go spend the time to find them. Well, that's now in the base game. There are a bunch of, um, not a bunch, but several friendly trading factions, and you can build some equipment that lets you do remote trading with them, and you can go to their space stations and trade with them. They're not a faction in the sense of, like, you'll find them out exploring or whatever. They just have these trade hubs, as far as I can tell. But nice little quality of life feature that, in the olden days, is exclusively a mod. And there's some other things like that, too. Some cosmetic parts, some uh, additional tools and weapons. Um, there are mods that have been turned into DLC, stuff for robots and extra weapons and additional sort of military-focused ship parts. Like, of course, everybody wants to build cool warships. Mm-hmm. But Space Engineers, while you could always do that, everything was always really flimsy. It was really hard to create efficient armored combat vehicles and so there's a pack that's or a dlc that was added that's like these are military focused stuff (laughs) but for a long time that was a popular mod i don't know if that mod still exists or not but so that's i mean that's basically what it has been i played space engineers for about 10 12 hours um in and out while i was sick um i got a small base uh started using some of the new parts to strip mine the area around my base um they've added things like so space engineers has got this you know it calls it a conveyor system but it's really just like a way that you can link production parts together so that they can share the same pool of resources that way you're not like ferrying stuff around constantly um 
and there was a, a a popular mod that for a long time added components that uh, kind of existed in the game, but added conveyor uh, ability to them, like um, a uh, a rotor so that you could you know turn and maneuver your drill around. The, in the base game, that wasn't part of the conveyor system. The mod added that to the conveyor system. Well, now that is part of the base game. A lot of those parts now there's a conveyor and a non-conveyor version. And the conveyor version is more resource resource expensive, but it allows you to create sort of what feels like a much more normal, air quotes, realistic system of just like a, a vehicle with a drill on the front with an arm that you can move it around and, and mine stuff as opposed to these like weird, massive strip mining vehicles. Because it's like, well, I can't move the drill around and collect the resources, so... I'm just going to build a hundred drills onto the bottom of this ship and dig through the core of the planet. <laughs> and I'll, I'll filter out all of the garbage along the way. So stuff like that. It's, it's been fine. I'm sure I'll play a little longer and then I won't play it again for another year or two. And then we'll come back to it and see where it's at. Yeah. I'm very I'm- tempted to check it out again because last time I played it, you know, that was like two or three computers ago. And, it ran like shit on my computer. They have done a lot of performance-focused updates. I mean, I don't know how well it would play on your hardware, obviously. But it, with what I'm doing, it runs at a pretty constant 120 FPS. Um, yeah, which I don't have a 120 hertz monitor, so... Yeah, but before, I remember in the olden days, one of the things that I said was like, in order to make the game run better, turn the performance up higher. Because it was something weird about how that if you were you would turn the graphics settings down, mm-hmm. it wasn't like rendering something properly. So it was actually more taxing on your hardware to do that. And it they seem to have you know fixed all of those problems along the way. It it runs pretty well, pretty solidly. I've got it on my spinning you know my spinning disc, uh, my hard drive as opposed to my SSD. So it, I might even get more performance gains, especially in terms of loading times. Putting it on my SSD, but. I just was like, nah, this this is fine on my platter. So yeah, good game, good experience. I like it. Um, the other game I played is called Fuga Melodies of Steel 2. Um, uh, type. Right. The link yeah, here goes... So I played a game that you had installed and vice versa. Yeah. So um, the link goes to Steam, but I played this on Game Pass. This is a sequel, obviously, to Fuga Melodies of Steel. Um, I, the first game was not on Game Pass, but this was, I just was like, this looks weird. Um, so I, I'm going to try it. It is a game that obviously was successful enough to get a sequel, but that I don't feel like it knows what it wants to be. It's got elements of a JRPG. It's got elements of a sort of survival crafting game. It's got elements of a um, a visual novel and elements of a vehicle combat game. And, you know, I could go on with several other things. Um, and it's all of these game elements smushed together where you play anthropomorphic animal children. And, yes, children. Um, who have control of this AI steampunk tank trying to 
track down your friends in another AI-controlled steampunk tank. And murder them. That apparently was the tank from the first game. And you're trying to rescue them because they've been possessed by some kind of evil magic that was awoken inside the tank. Whoops. After the first game. I was going to say, if if that's how the first game ends, damn, right? Yeah. So, I... This game is so confusing, and some of it certainly... It's not even a Kojima game. Right. Some of it certainly probably is the fact that I haven't played the first one. I had never heard of this game until I saw it. The game does give you a a recap of the first game, so you can find out what's going on. The backstory behind this is that this group of children... There's there's like a, a war that breaks out in their country. And this group of children trying to escape the war zone stumble onto this magic steampunk tank that responds when they touch it, like it comes alive, and they get inside the tank and use the tank first to escape from the war and then win the war. In true anime fashion, the children with the magical tank win the war. And then the second game picks up a year into the future, the war's over, the country's rebuilt, they have uh, the government has been studying the magic tank that you had, as well as the magic bad guy tank that was the main antagonist of the first game. And they awaken an evil magic inside the good tank, and it becomes bad. And they reform the evil tank so it becomes good. And now you, the children are in the magical good tank. Are, are you following? Are you trying uh, to get all of that? All right, hang on. I didn't realize I was supposed to go uh, write notes down. Okay, can you start over? <laughs> no. Um, so uh, okay, so you're on the magic school bus. Right, and so the magic good, evil good tank, or the magic good evil tank, starts another world war that what? the children are t- trying to stop while they're also trying to save their friends. Um, and murder them. Yes. So, you're a group of children, you recruit more children as you go through the game to crew this tank. Um, There's sort of the main cast of characters, and they all can build relationships with one another so that they can get level ups and boosts in combat. The tank has got... Part of the magic tank is that each child is soul-linked to the tank, and they have their own weapon... And so you have active crew and passive crew. And I think I've seen this anime. And when you put the active crew in, the tank's weapons change because their soul-linked weapon comes out. The JRPG... Uh, I, 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 I'm pretty sure uh, that's illegal in, like, five states. <laughs> Probably. The, the JRPG elements of it are that, you know, it, the way that the game plays out when you're actually doing combat is that there's a timeline for each turn... And the, you know, you take your turns, the enemies, which are other vehicles, so vehicle combat, like other steampunk tanks, which are not magical, or steampunk, like airships. Oh, are they full of children, though? I don't know. Honestly, I hope so. If that may, like, this game is so fucking bonkers. The story is so bonkers. Because it's just these cute anthropomorphic anthropomorphic animals that are, are that are just like so have so much PTSD. And it's like, oh, buddy, kill some of the bad guy kids. You'll feel better. But 
so it's you know it's turn based. There's a, a turn order. Certain kids, their abilities might be like slow down the enemies, or so that they can't attack. Or if you attack the you know the right the, the rock paper scissors thing, where that if you attack an enemy with its weakness, it takes extra damage and potentially special effects depending on the kid and what their weapon and special power is, and then it slows them down. And there's further abilities that do that, and so on and so forth. You know, it's, it's basically you know basic rock paper scissors JRPG type of combat. Mm-hmm. And then sort of the final thing, where that this game is kind of like, I don't want to say like it's a roguelite. It's not like there are I guess roguelite elements in it. There are branching paths and time travel. With some kind of god, I don't know. I don't know if it's a god or if it's actually just like the spirit of the AI tank, the magic AI tank, or what? It, it's Miss Frizzle. But whenever you die, the god guy comes down. And he's like, "Oh, I mean, he doesn't say this exactly, but basically, he's like, oh, looks like you took the wrong path.' Uh, main character Wolf Boy, you're the only one who can see me, so I'm gonna rewind time for you, so you can try again, take a different path." And then it will sort of reset the current level or sort of run that you're on um, on the overworld map. And you get to keep certain things like knowledge and certain special items, but you lose any gained items or XP back to the point where you reset. But because your character knows stuff, you can kind of progress dialogues faster or might be able to get secret items or perform better in prior combat since you know stuff that's going to happen. And that plays into it, and the other kid's are like, wow, how'd you know that was going to happen? And your guy never says... Oh, yeah, you all were brutally murdered. And he never says, like, oh, yeah, we all died, but God came down and gave us another chance. Like, I get that sounds crazy, but also, your kids, who are soul-linked to a magic AI-driven tank, like, that doesn't seem so far-fetched t- to me. But there's only so far a uh, suspension of disbelief could go. I guess. But... And that's that's the game, and you gallivant around the countryside, recruiting other children to help you murder the the bad guy children to rescue your friends from the AI magic tank. It's a clusterfuck. Like I've kind of you know we've kind of I've kind of been making fun of this as I go along because it's funny to talk about it in this way. This game is a clusterfuck. <laughs> it's confusing and weird. And sometimes it's fun and funny, and sometimes it's cute. Lots of times it's just really frustrating. Because the game doesn't give you any warning for when you're about to have to like fight something that's definitely going to murder you and make you restart a whole line of progression. And I think that's, you know, I think that's intrinsic to the game itself. Like, that's what the game is trying to do, and I don't like it. I don't like it one bit, sir. Yeah, that's an uninstall. It mostly just feels like it's it's wasting my time with that. Ooh, that that's the cardinal sin for me. Uninstall. Yeah. So, so. hey, we uh, forced each other to uninstall. Woo! Yep. I mean, I guess a couple other quick things. Like, if you've been listening and you're like, nah, you guys are wrong. This sounds like it's up my alley. The art style is very, very good. Very beautiful. The anthropomorphic animal children are very cute um they follow some pretty Uh, there's probably some cursed artwork online for them i'm sure they follow some very anime tropey kind of stuff um it is a 
you know, like default is Japanese with English subtitles, but there is an English dub that you can switch to. So, you know, if this, if you're the sort of person that this takes all the right boxes for, it is kind of like playing a weird, I mean, not weird. It is like playing a child sort of anime, you know, like a child magical war school anime. And those exist. And yeah, I'm if, thinking like, uh, uh, damn it. Now I'm blanking on the name of the, uh, the tank girl, uh, anime. Oh yeah. 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 I know which one you're talking about. There's also the n- high school Naval Academy where the, the girls are like magical ships. Girls on and- Panzer. It's like girls on Panzer plus magical tanks. Yeah. So if you want to play one of those, like go for it. Like, the game itself is competent. It's just incomprehensible to me. And then on top of it, it feels like it's wasting my time. So, yeah, I mean, any game that feels like it's actively wasting my time, that's not meant to be uh, like a relaxing thing. is like, uh, it's to uninstall. That was uh, one of my primary groups with the Homestead Arcadia. So, all right. Yeah. So there there you go. There you go. Yeah, but we're again, bang. <laughs> like you said, well, especially since they're children. Even I have lines, man. Um, but like well, you said, well, like well, I, well, you I, did well you did say they're speaking Japanese, so you have a chance. Oh god. Will that's gonna be a whole thing that we're gonna talk about next week. <laughs> Foreshadowing for, for Persona. Gonna talk about age of consent. <laughs> um but yeah, you know, like you said though for uh Homestar Homestead Arcana or whatever, like I would have never tried this if it wasn't for Game Pass and I'm glad I got to try it. I'm really uninstall. happy I didn't pay for it. And uninstall. Yeah. So, are you ready to move on? I think so. All right. Um let me get over here to the news topics and get a get a drink because my throat's a little scratchy. All right. The first news topic of the night. Aachen Reborn is having a rough time on Steam. <laughs> so before we talk about that, in case anyone listening doesn't know, Hawken was a m- online multiplayer mech combat game. But it it was supposed to feel like you were playing more of a first person shooter than a mech or mecha game. Yeah, yeah I would go uh, more mecha than mech. I um, I went through the training, uh, uh, like tutorials of that game, and yeah, it really did not feel like mech to me. It's it's very fast paced. You only have two or three weapons. Some of the the mechs can get three weapons, but I think the starting mech is two. Um. And it's, you know, very, it was like a lot of objective-based stuff, uh, Capture the Flag, King of the Hill kind of stuff, mostly team games. Um, it All in all, I remember it being pretty solid. I played it for a while, it was free-to-play, um, you know, and it, it followed a lot of the standard free-to-play tropes, multiple currencies, slowly earning your your way into the better mech parts and gear and stuff, but... It had a pretty solid matchmaking. Um, the controls felt pretty intuitive. And I'm a sucker for pretty much anything mech. So, 
I I liked it. Um, I played it for a while. It shut down because it was just commercially unviable. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it came back up for a while. It was originally not a free-to-play game. It was a buying game that was off Steam. Which, oh boy, right? This yeah. was a year or two before it came to Steam as a free-to-play game. So it's flopped twice, right? Yeah. If memory serves correctly, I looked into some of the history of the game. It was like a $30 game uh, buy-in multiplayer. And then when it went free-to-play, but it also swapped developers. Uh, Yeah, microtransactions out the wazoo. I just remember looking at the store and realizing, oh... Oh, yeah. Uninstall. <laughs> if if I remember correctly, they were selling power directly. I don't remember that, but it's possible. I can't remember if they were selling power directly or if it was one of those games that if you uh, did do exceptionally well, uh, you're going to be able to play for like 10 minutes and then, yeah, it's either buy in or just wait for everything to slowly re- uh, repair. It was one of the two. I can't remember which it is. It had a repair regeneration system, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you had, like, energy, and you could only do so many battles until your energy ran out, unless you Mm -hmm. won, and then you got energy refills, and... This was at a time in my life when I basically had no money, because the only money I had for games, I was funneling into EVE Online. (laughs) And being an utter dick. Yeah, so I was playing it in spurts when I could, um... I was decent at it. I wasn't great. I was like a mid-level. Like, I got to mid-level stuff. I played a little bit, and if I recall correctly, it was like my first match, and came up against some people that basically don't like the game, and saw that, okay, my mech's gonna be on repair for who knows how long, and looked at the store and realized, oh, yeah, this is just gonna be expensive. Uh, I don't like mechs that much. I'll go back to Mech Warrior. Which was also out at the time. MechWarrior Online was... Well, I was talking about MechWarrior 4. Oh, yeah. The single-player MechWarriors. But that's also kind of uh, the problem with the original release was that, you know, you had, you know, MechWarrior, which did it better, right? Yep. Mech, I mean, like you said, MechWarrior 4 for single-player, but MechWarrior Online, which also did this whole thing better. MechWarrior Online has a pretty tumultuous history, but it was you know, the superior game in town at the time. So, I guess both literally and metaphorically in the sense of, like, you know, game in town. Yeah, so... <laughs> Anyways, so it's yeah. back now. Yeah, but as a single-player game, but it's a free-to-play single-player game with microtransactions. Because, of course it is, right? Yep. Oh... It is rocking a, what was it, 22%? 22% positive reviews out of like 1,400, at least when we looked. It might be more Uh, by now. It is rocking 22% out of uh, 1,339 reviews, mind you. It's been out for about a week, and it had an announcement that it was coming out two days before it released. And I didn't see anything about it. Neither did I, and I'm prime target for this with how much mech shit I do. Uh-huh. I mean, it is early access. Supposedly, there are a grand total of five missions in the game, and then a uh, essentially an endless patrol mission. 
completely single player, but they're selling microtransactions and pay to win shit because, right? Ooh. So we're currently in phase one of our early access plans, focusing on polishing the game and optimizing gameplay and combat experience while improving critical elements like the UI, enemy interactions, and more. But yeah, you have microtransactions in your game already. Uh, it, whenever you start selling like DLC and microtransactions, you're at a point where you're, you're up for review, at least in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I downloaded it, um, but because I didn't know about it until right before we recorded the show, I haven't played it. So mm-hmm. I will report back on it, I guess in two weeks, since next week is Game Club. Yeah. Unless it's just like, I gotta talk about this fucking game. <laughs> yeah, so. gotta love the system requirements that I recommended. Uh, a 64-bit processor and operating system, and that's it. Well, it's in luck. I have one of those. I meet the recommended specs. Oh, well, I dropped mine, so mine's only 63. <laughs> uh, I, I, I you lost one of the bits? Yeah, I broke off a bit. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess that's pretty quick. I don't have anything else to say about it until I actually play it and then can yeah, I, back. I, I'm, the, the fact that they're so brazen to sell pay-to-win uh, in a single-player game is just, wow. Supposedly, uh, well, some of the reviews I looked at, people played the entire single-player content, and they didn't have enough to craft one gun, uh, enough materials. And one of the reviews... Uh, they got enough, They got one upgrade for one of their guns that knocked a whole point zero two seconds off their reload time. So wow, yeah, I, I'm speedy. Yeah, I'm not expecting you to like this much. We'll find out. I'm also not expecting good things out of it. I'm just hoping that it's kind of meme worthy and not just meh worthy. But well, we'll I got, find well, out I got other the- fish to fry this week, so right. I actually, literally, uh, uh, because I, you know, I fried fish today. Woo! Ooh, delicious. No, catfish. Catfish is still delicious, though. Fucking love some fried catfish. Beer-battered catfish. Mm, that sounds fun. Uh, this good. was breaded, actually, uh, with cornbread. Or, well, cornmeal and uh, uh, flour, so. All right. Yeah. Sounds great. All right. Next news title? Or title? Article? <laughs> Yeah, go for it. War Thunder reverses economy changes after Steam review bombing. Yeah, oh boy. Uh, speaking of uh, shitty microtransactions, right? Yeah. Ooh, uh, okay, I have not been able to find exactly what they did. Uh, but from everything that sounds like, it is like the slow ratcheting up and then talking about over the summer they're going to rework the economy to make things worse for... Uh, free-to-play players? Because it's not already bad enough, right? Yeah. War Thunder as a game, I still play occasionally because my kid plays. And it's, as a, as a game, like purely from a gameplay perspective, it's fine. It's a fine game. It does something that only a couple of other games on the market really also do well as a you know somewhat realistic um, vehicle arcade combat game. And it's got realism modes, and there's some single-player-esque content in the form of missions or whatever. But, I mean, primarily, it's just a PvP multiplayer game. Um, and it's okay to play. But it, it they are tr- uh, trying to make 
ass loads of money off of off of its player base. And it's really, this... a, a, really a free to play game that has a thousand dollars worth of DLC trying to milk uh, their player base. Nah, right. So it, it, they already have had people complaining about the economy for forever because. The, I mean, what they keep doing to keep the game, I guess you could say, fresh is the game starts with World War One era technology and progresses forward up to sort of late Cold War era tech. That's kind of where we're at so far, maybe mm-hmm. early Cold War era tech. Um, and they just keep over time adding more and more stuff to the game. When I first started playing it several years ago. It was like they were just introducing the first Korean era jet fighters and tanks and et cetera. And now, you know, they've got, like I said, that sort of early Cold War era tech. You can fly, um, you know, the the Tomcat, the F-14 Tomcat, the F-16, F-16 is in the game, um, MiG-29. Uh, as far as tanks go, the sort of Mark I Abrams is in the game. And then there are missile launchers that you can use guided missiles you know etc etc at those upper levels and it's just it's sort of like power creep but it's economy slash money creep and the payout rates never increase but how expensive everything gets does increase so already it's an issue of people feeling like the game is too grindy once you get into the late world war ii era stuff because that was originally designed to be the in-game content where it's grindy, and it just gets worse from there. So the proposed tweaks, like you said, there's not anything that we found that's specifically listed so far, but the yeah, essence of like them is that... Uh, okay, so... It looks like it's tied into the Silver Line Reward Multiplier range for the different ranks and the max repair cost. So at rank uh, 8, it was... Uh, max repair cost was going to be 3,500 uh, several lines, which sounds like a lot. Uh, to be fair, I haven't played the game in ages, so. I mean, with the level that I'm at, I play the arcade mode, which has got the lowest payouts. Mm-hmm. Um, the realism modes are pay out a lot more. But I mean, a good game is like 10,000 silver lions worth of profit at the end. If you do well, you're looking to get like 10,000, you know, a net. 10,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and at the range that I'm at, that I'm at vehicles are costing, you know, in the hundreds of thousands. Cuz I'm in the late World War II era stuff. Mhm. Yeah, so it looks like they were tying or, or planning to tie the reward and repair cost uh, tighter to the ranks uh with basically just lowering the rewards and uh, upping the uh, repair cost. There were some people saying that potentially it would you would require a five uh, kill to death ratio uh, to break even on uh, some of the uh, harder modes, which is insane. Yeah, in most of these game modes, especially for the airplanes, but in most of them, you you get multiple lives through having multiple vehicles. So if you're able to bring five vehicles to a match, then you have essentially five lives. And different game modes let you bring in different numbers of vehicles but i mean five to one kill ratio is insane like you said mm-hmm. so yeah that <laughs> they uh, they released apology jo- uh, blog post and, uh, and promised that they're going to redo the economy but no specifics so 
don't take this as a victory because that's kind of the other thing is that they say that they're going to do better, but are they? Are they really? Right? Yeah. And also gaslighting uh, people saying, well, it's unfair to uh, put a negative review on Steam. And I've actually removed Steam as one of their supported uh, platforms on their website to try to hide it. Right? Yeah. I didn't know that they'd done that. I missed that in the article. Uh, um, that that was a separate thing that they've done in the last, like, 12 hours, I think. I will say that one of the things, like, that these types of games do is that they have a premium service, you know, a subscription service, where that if you're subscribed to it, you get additional bonus payouts of the stuff. And on top of that, there are premium vehicles that you can get, which give you additional payouts of the stuff. And one of the classic ways that these games have always kind of let you get around the economy tweaks is it's like that pushes you to buying the premium time and the premium vehicles so that you, you know, aren't affected by the the change in rates. Mm -hmm. You still get like your bonuses. But the way that they've talked about doing it will also adjust the payouts if you're a premium member and use premium vehicles. So it's. You know, that made the people who paid money mad because it's already fucking grindy enough, even with premium shit. Yeah. For a while, I was playing enough that I did buy like a couple months of premium time. It, it, I mean, it makes a difference. Got through a whole bunch of stuff with it, but I was, I was doing a lot of low level stuff with my kid. So I was like, well, I want to try out all this stuff and he's going to stay on the same path and I'm going to try out all these other different things because I was outpacing my kid anyways. Like, he's gotten better, but. I'm still a much better player than he is. <laughs> so I, I reckon that's that, unless you have something else to say. Uh, not really. I mean, oof. Okay. Uh, final news topic that's not in the community corner. Uh, Nintendo receives lawsuit over Mario Kart Tour microtransactions. Yeah, I'll let so, you yeah, take so, this one away for a minute. So Nintendo is facing a class action lawsuit over loot boxes of Mario Kart Tour. Mind you, they've, I believe they've removed the loot boxes recently. Gee, I wonder if that's connected, right? Yeah. So, let's see. Complaint uh, was filed by a parent whose child spent more than $170 on the bubble title, because, of course, right? Yep. Uh, there's not a lot of information here right now. It's the very early day, so we'll find out more in a couple of years when this finally gets to court, right? Yeah. Kind of like about the uh, Steam lawsuit that started like a year and a half ago. Yeah, something like that. I mean, essentially, it's sounds like it's just it was too easy for kids to get into the loot box system because, right? Yeah, and it's really easy to leave uh, payment methods on the phone if you're not careful about it. Yeah, I have. We're we're getting my kid a phone uh, this summer his sort of trainer phone. It's like a old, I mean, it is a quote unquote smartphone, mm-hmm. but it's an older, cheaper one that we're, you know, I'm doing like a little lockdown parental control stuff, but it's like in the Google family app manager, it's like the check mark by default is that your kid has access to your payment method. Oh God. All right. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, that's, 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 that that's, seems wrong. Yeah. Well, the, well, you see, no, it's not because it makes them so much money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like they did remove the uh, 
uh, the uh, loot boxes uh, last year. I don't know what their progression system is now, but right. I was very underwhelmed with the Mario Kart Tour. It felt more like an infinite runner than it did a Mario Kart game. At least when I played it in its uh, beta, if I recall correctly. Yeah. I mean, I've never played it, and I seriously doubt I ever will. I mean, it just didn't interest me. I mean, they do have an interesting point on this. The suit uh, accuses the platform holder of purposely making the game challenging without spending money. Also known as being in a mobile game. Yeah. Uh, but Nintendo's also refused to refund miners. A large segment of the company's player population who've made purchases uh, via Spotlight Pipes, Mario Kart Tour's loot boxes. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, the entire article is 100, 200 words. So it's more, this is ongoing. But I can also see why parents are upset because, yeah, especially if that's owned by default, that makes it the whole yo know, kid accidentally spends parents' life savings a lot less out there. Yep, I had no idea that was the default setting. I mean, I didn't either until I went to set it up. You know, I I made my kid uh, a a uh, what's it called a parent monitor email account. Mm-hmm. And then added that to my Google Family Network, which I already have a Google Family Network, just because my because you can share stuff within your family network. So Katie and I share certain apps, um, and then there's one other person that we let use some of our stuff. But the adults don't like don't have that option. You know, if your list is an adult on the the account, like, well, you have full control over your own account. Mm-hmm. But when I added my kid underneath my account and you were going through looking at the family control options, the default option is that they have access to your family payment method. Wow. And while for the different age, I got to looking at it, actually. I was really looking at it. Um, I was going to talk about it at some point, maybe for like Franken content. But like, you know, since we're here with this, like it makes sense to talk about it. <laughs> I was I was digging deep through all the options and they have default age sort of brackets you can you can set up for your kid and your younger children um seven to twelve and then like teenager excuse me like teenager and there's sort of different presets and for the really young kids they have access to your payment method but the other default option is that they have to ask your permission to buy stuff but for the middle age range which is where my Mm -hmm. kid is so that's where i started for like the default to start tweaking the settings and for the teenage one on google play family whatever they have access to your payment method and they don't have to ask your permission to make purchases wow the fuck and it's like i mean it's there it's not buried but also if you're just and most people are not tech enthusiasts who know this stuff inside and out you know our our generations you know that late gen x early millennial you know mid like however the generations break down like people who are our age have grown up with technology and maybe my kid will have been the generation that has grown up with all of this shit and so that's second nature to them but most of my friends are you know, no more tech savvy than I am a fucking mechanic. Like, 
I can do a few basics, you know, but like, and also uh, hit a deer. Right. But like, you know, I have grown up with cars and, you know, and I just know like some very basic stuff. And I know plenty of people who don't know shit about cars. And it's, it's like, it's that with technology. I'm an enthusiast. So I'm like looking at all this stuff. I'm reading all this stuff. But I think the average parent who doesn't know is just going to leave the default ticked. Cause it's like, oh yeah, my kid's, you know, 11. So they can go on this, you know, age bracket that has default access to the payment method and doesn't have to ask permission for purchases. I should say purchases that fall into the age range because, you know, apps have age ratings on them. And so they don't have to ask your permission to purchase an app that's, you know, rated up to the age rating of your, your child. Yeah, because uh, because Roblox definitely doesn't have a bunch of microtransactions in it. I was going to say, yeah, but, you know, I mean, you said it in a sarcastic manner, but, you know, I was going to say, like, obviously, though, those apps can be just as predatory as any other one. No, no, I disagree. They're more so. More more predatory, yeah, because kids are easier to manipulate. Mm -hmm. Especially if you put, like, like a countdown timer, right? Yep. Oh. Uh, this is why I don't mobile game that much. It just always feels, uh, you know, like uh, they're trying to manipulate me into, you know, paying way too much for a game that I'm barely liking. Man, fucking after after Honkai Star Rails release, I have seen Genshin ads go through the fucking roof. You can't imagine why they're not. I mean, again, they're not the same type of game, but still, having played it for another, I don't know, 10, eh, not 10, probably another five hours, Honkai Star Rail still just feels like a video game that I happen to be playing on my mobile device. Like, I am blown away. I continue to be blown away by it. Need more of that. Just need more fucking good games on mobile devices. So anyways... What, where, where were we? What were we doing? <laughs> who, who am I? What year is it? Uh, it's the current year. Uh, current year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, do we really have anything else to say about the Mario Kart thing outside of, yeah, can see that, right? Uh, I don't think so. So, let's move on to our community corner. Um, and I might report back and see what their current progression system is, because, right? Yeah. So yeah, we've got a couple of articles from our community corner submitted mm-hmm. to us through the submissions uh, channel on our Discord. Yep. Um, the first one is Blizzard scraps most PVE plans for Overwatch 2. Fans piss. I mean, I irritalized a little bit, but it's not untrue. So, essentially, uh, for the last three years they've been beating their uh chests about this uh overarching pve uh, content that they're going to release and yeah it's not coming for the most part the big thing was it's supposed to be it was supposed to be not a just a co-op mode but have its own progression systems have talent trees uh, they claimed that they were going to eventually do hundreds of missions. So, yeah, right? Press F to doubt. <laughs> I mean, that would and, have always and, been and, a guess and, for me. And it, was also, and it was also one of the major selling points 
for Overwatch 2 as well, was that they said that they just couldn't do it in the original Overwatch game. Uh, so, yeah. About that, right? Yeah. Which is, of course, a lie. They absolutely could do it in the original Overwatch game. Or just make it a separate game. Uh, not, yeah. you know, Overwatch 2, but, you know, have a single-player-focused game about the Overwatch, right? Yeah. And you, you know, you could have called it anything. Overwatch The Beginning. Overwatch Prologue. Overwatch... Overwatch Electric Boogaloo. Uh, over... Yeah. Overwatch Tracer's Ass. But, yeah, I mean... Now the main thing about going from the now shut down Overwatch, because that's the other thing, was it was a premium game that they shut down for a free-to-play game, is going from a 6v6 to a 5v5. Uh, the, you know, just the balance changes in general. And, oh yeah, if you didn't buy into the original game and have progression, good luck getting started because things are locked down like crazy. To be able to play some heroes, you have to uh, play so many matches with other heroes and uh, buy into them. And I think there's a free rotation as well. But it's just, if you're sold on you know, this particular type of hero or this you know, uh, archetype of, you know, I want to be the you know, uh, the more melee-focused ones. Well, good luck, right? Yeah. Did you ever play Overwatch? I had zero interest in Overwatch. I was playing a better game. It was called Team Fortress 2. Before, <laughs> before they ran that one into the ground. Or I guess I should say, not run into the ground, but you know, kind of just leave it high and dry. Yeah. I just had I, no interest in it. I also never played Overwatch and was never interested in it. I'm just not a multiplayer guy unless it's co-op. I mean, I have my Silly Squid game. Uh, that's like my big shooter that I play now. But, yeah, I just... Look at the Overwatch, uh, the original Overwatch. It just felt like it, it was a, a carbon copy of uh, Team Fortress 2, and I had already uh, spent a lot of time there. So when I, you know, eventually quit TF2, uh, I just had no interest in playing essentially the same game. Let alone, yeah, the same game buying into it, right? Yeah. Which I know, I know. Uh, there there are differences. For one, uh, Tracer's ass. It is a pretty nice ass. I'll give him that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, well, it's because of all the running, you know? Right, very tone. Uh, but uh, Tracer's ass uh, withholding, you know? Uh, it, I just had no interest in playing the style of game, so I just never bought into it. And... I honestly enjoyed the more tactic gameplay of uh, Team Fortress 2, where it was bigger teams. Which, I know, I know. Now I'm playing uh, Squid Game, which is 4v4, right? Yeah. But that's beside the point. I mean, At it doesn't time, matter, though. Not, not that it doesn't, like, it matters for gameplay balance and stuff like that, but, like, mm -hmm. that doesn't really matter. If you're enjoying it, that's the important mm -hmm. part. Yeah, like, I used to really enjoy the Highlander mode in Team Fortress 2. Uh, non v non. Uh, there could be only one of each class. Be, yeah. Um. But yeah, I. I mean, I was never really interested in Team Fortress Two either. I played it a bit, mm -hmm. but you know, by by I. I just have yeah. I'm just not a multiplayer guy, and by the time I got to Team Fortress Two, I was pretty much done with multiplayer, anyways. Well, it's also Team Fortress Two. Uh, 
it started off a lot better, but as it had updates, it you know just got bottled with uh, you know more systems about upon uh, upon it. So, right, yeah. So, Which you yeah, know it yeah, happens. Yeah, the, yeah. There's a uh, secondary article talking about how uh, Overwatch Two is a failed idea from PC Gamer. I mean, damn right. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, pretty much is just going into the whole idea of uh, Overwatch 2 is free to play now, but the heroes are behind a paywall. Random chance loot boxes are gone now, but the battle passes are in, and there's no free way to get cool stuff. There is a free way to unlock heroes on tier 55 of the battle pass. You won't have to download a separate client, but Overwatch 1 is uh, getting deleted forever, right? Yeah. I mean, Overwatch 2... Is just a signifier, or just a one of the thi- one of those things of like, well, we're going to pivot to a quote unquote live service style game and continue to saturate the market with those. Yeah, they had a perfectly viable product that made them a shitload of money, but it didn't make them every single possible and, cent. And that's kind of the thing is that Overwatch One it had seasonal updates. It wasn't full on live service. But every, like, holiday they had their seasonal update. Uh, I can't remember if they had uh, full-on, like, Battle Pass-style seasons. But I do know uh, they had quite a few updates uh, revolving around, like, different seasons and different events. So it was, in a way, games as a service, but it was not tied to a Battle Pass and buying into it. And that's kind of the key difference here, huh? Yeah. I think that's why I like Squid Game's Battle Pass more. You don't buy into it. It just exists. And and you get to get an animation where you dab on people. <laughs> no, that is my actual uh, winning animation is dabbing on someone. Well, wearing a beret, I might add. And taking sun- sunglasses. I think Battle Passes, like loot boxes, are good gameplay elements when employed like that. Just use it as a way to like track and reward gameplay and progress, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to swindle people out of their hard-earned money. Yeah, that's kind of uh, why I support it in Splatoon, but not in you know Overwatch. Is that there's no paid tier? You know, uh, Minion Masters is another one. It has a paid battle pass at a free battle pass as well, and it has actual stuff on it. Which, Minion Masters is a game I'll fire up and play every so often and uh, put it down for a few months. So, right? Yeah. Uh, it's basically uh, Realm Royale. Only uh, turned sideways, literally. I've played Minion Masters once upon a time, but it was several years ago. Hadn't that game been out since, like, yeah, it's been what, out 2016 for, for or something? a very long time. And every time they put out a DLC, they put it up for free. I have, like, all but one. Yeah. But yeah, if the if the free battle pass is actually decent, it, it, I'm not as troubled with a paid battle pass. But whatever, it's like you know one thing, then you know twenty levels, another thing, right? It's a little harder to justify to me. Yeah, don't you want more stuff? Uh, if only you'd pay that money, pay that nine dollars or whatever. Fifteen dollars yeah. depends that's, on the game. Yeah, that's where I'm a little torn on the battle pass idea, because I do realize that the developers need to monetize the game somewhere, uh, especially for a free to play uh, title. 
But damn, locking heroes behind battle passes. But an actual power behind a battle pass, right? Yeah. That's very hard to justify. But let's be honest. Uh, The fact that I could dab on someone, that's all that really matters. It's so interesting to hear you use that phrase. That doesn't seem like a very (laughs) you thing to say. When I win, I dab on people and I'm wearing a beret. (laughs) I'm going to have to send you a picture of my uh, squid kid. You're a squid now. You're a kid now. Although it was hilarious, the retrospective I watched. You're an adult now. Oh, sad. All right. Uh, you ready to do the other one? Uh, yeah. All right. Report. Sony fails to appeal Austrian loot box verdict. Yeah, I hear they'll be back, though. They always come back. And in greater numbers. Oh, you want to take this one? Yeah. Um, so, uh, in the long-running war uh, between legislators in better parts of the world and loot boxes, uh, Austria, earlier in this year, um, ruled on a dispute between uh, FIFA players and Sony, um, basically Sony Europe, um, saying that PlayStation owed players refunds on Ultimate Team Packs that they had purchased from the PlayStation Store. Because uh, the ability, well, I'll just read from here, because the ability to sell player cards on a secondary market qualifies them as illegal gambling. So Austria basically says, what you were doing was gambling. And Sony uh, is is supposed to pay back um, hundred, several hundred euros to each of the plaintiffs. I don't know exactly what the the final payout is supposed to be, but... They're supposed to do that, and so far they haven't challenged it in court. Um, so that's that's the gist of it. Now I don't know how. Like this article says that the verdict has become final. I don't know if that is like truly final because he, in the American legal system, just because something is final doesn't mean you can't challenge it and get it overturned or appealed. Yeah. So until perhaps it gets all the way up to uh, to the Supreme Court. Yeah. But we're not versed in the either the Australian or Austrian uh, legal systems. Yeah, so I don't know if they have an equivalent. If a judgment has to go final, you know, quote unquote finalized before you can appeal it there or what. Um, so, you know, has Sony accepted defeat? I doubt it, but maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe they well, just... especially on FIFA, right? Yeah. Maybe it's just cheaper for them to not fight it. Maybe their lawyers have calculated, like, screw it, let's pay the, you know, however many euros this is, and not deal with it anymore. Um, well, you know, the, the idea of legal precedent... Uh, uh, find them 10 million euros, so... Okay. Well, the idea of legal precedent is mm, less powerful than it used to be in America. Um, Can't imagine why. Yeah. Fucking Supreme Court overturned and <laughs> shit. For starters. Listen to the 5-4 podcast, dear listeners. It's a podcast about how much the Supreme Court sucks. And they provide a great amount of education. I've learned a lot about how awful the U.S. Supreme Court is. And why. 
But anyways, you know, I don't know if if Austria or the EU has any sort of similar kind of highest court kind of deal. You know, I don't know how their legal precedent works. Um, I do know that most European countries tend to be less lawsuit dominant. So maybe Sony's just, you know, done the calculations. You know, they did the math and they feel like it's not as big of a deal to not challenge it. But I suppose we will see. The article also says that, you know, this opens up the door for other players to go after Sony. So maybe they'll they'll pursue another lawsuit against them. Yeah. See in uh yeah, like twenty thirty, right? Ooh, that's optimistic. Well that's for the first uh, decision. Ah, I see. But but yeah. I don't know, do you have any other not thoughts, really I feelings, mean... smart remarks? Pretty straightforward, I think. Uh, well, 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 there's not very many smart rocks from me. Smart ass, maybe, but <laughs> there you go. Smart ass uh, remarks. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens when you know we don't have a FIFA game. We have FIFA, and then whatever EA's doing now. Because right, yeah, Soccer World or whatever they decide to call it. I mean, I know we're very dismissive of FIFA, but that's because we're American. I'm dismissive of, of FIFA because I don't give a shit about sports games, but I do recognize how much of a juggernaut FIFA is in the sports world. I mean, hey, we shut your that whore mouth before. about uh, Mario Golf. <laughs> All right, let me rephrase. I don't give a shit about real life sports games. Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, Mario and Sonic Olympics, Mario Extreme Parkouring. That's just most Mario games. Well, the 3D ones, at least. But, I mean, I, I like stuff like that. I care about those. But, like, real-world sports games, I don't, I don't care. So, uh, do you want to do a Discovery queue? No. <laughs> it's, I have to take my kid to school in the morning for his last day of school. I'm so sorry, I, just, just the, no. I have to get up at 6 a.m. So, I'll go to, to my world. I don't, I don't know. Otherwise, this would be a week that we would do it because we're we're done with our stuff before midnight. Uh, but... Anyway, uh, I guess scroll up to the top. <laughs> I'm sorry, just the way you said no. Yeah. Hey, hey, Rage, uh, where can people contact us and send us stuff and articles and things? No. OK, good night. <laughs> uh, well, maybe you can catch me tweeting on. Twitter someday, gaming with CR, or you can be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? I have been Jared. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. I was tweeting about Battletech stuff today, the Kickstarter, uh, what do they call it? The, the pledge manager, where you can get all of your like shit sorted went live, so I was tweeting about the 90, let's 9-0 uh, minis that I'm going to be getting sometime within the next year. I was tweeting about those for a while. You can find me there. <laughs> you can also you know, find us on our Discord or you can be my friend on Steam at uh, my jarthur4707. Uh, come say hi. I'll say hi back. Hi back. As I take a quick drink. <clears throat> Oh, so once again, you get, well, what, not once again, we kind of skipped over it. Uh, you can contact us, visual podcast at 
gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. Tweet them to us, VGL Podcast, or drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Ken McCloy. You can find his work over at Compudet.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. No! Bye bye! <laughs>